0: over a minute left you're you're kicking a field goal every time
1: Good morning, Romo Sapiens, and welcome into another edition of the Rome Show, here on a Monday morning, 12-ounce sportsradio.com, Zingo TV channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Live, we even put the show on LinkedIn as well, you know the deal, just get to the social medias, wherever it is, Twitter, or the gram, at wide world of Rome and you can write in on the show or facebook.com slash the Rome show one I am Andrew Romanella we will be joined shortly by the older brother Rocky Romanella and we have a show for you today highly centered around the game of baseball the sport is locked out games have been officially canceled and the future looks bleak, to say it the best, for Major League Baseball moving forward. We will dive into some history of lockouts in Major League Baseball. But that's not all, because we do talk some basketball as well, as Coach K coached his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I have some audio for you there, because I've had some Thoughts about Coach Mike Krzyzewski as his career has come to an end, must I say. He has been on his farewell tour, to say the least, in his last season coaching on the bench for the Duke Blue Devils. And they lost to North Carolina in his last game, which is awesome in its own right. But he had some interesting things to say to the crowd and everyone that came there to celebrate him after, which I think ultimately may sum up who Coach K truly is and how a lot more people than you think don't really vibe with Coach Mike Krzyzewski. So we'll get into that a little bit of NBA And uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner arrested in Russia on charges of possession of marijuana vape cartridges. So, that's not good either. All of that's on the back side of the 8 o'clock hour, some turn-up-the-volume and such. Rocky will join us in a minute here, but I have to give my initial thoughts on Major League Baseball right now before he gets on the line. The bottom line is you could debate who's wrong more, the players or the owners. You could talk about how bad of a commissioner Rob Manfred is, and we'll get into that more a little bit. But at the end of the day, no matter whose fault it is, what players are getting screwed, whatever. The ultimate disappointment in the current state of Major League Baseball, the ultimate disappointment in the current state of the lockout is the fans get hurt. Because as we've talked a lot about on this show, and we'll continue to talk more about, and I know Rocky will have some opinions on it, Baseball's a dying sport. I would go as far to say as it is the fifth or sixth, depending on where you are in the country, most popular sport to play as a youth. I would put football, basketball, hockey, soccer. If if I'm in certain parts of America... Lacrosse, maybe even in certain parts of America, certain winter sports. Either way, the point is baseball is a dying sport. And so when the lockout happens and you look at what's the collateral damage, the only Thing the players, the owners, the commissioners should be worried about is how don't we lose fans? Because without a lockout, all Major League Baseball feels like it's been doing is losing fans. And it's like the ultimate conundrum you hate when your team's in it. What's our identity? Who are we? How do we want to play the game? What's Major League Baseball's identity right now? What is it? Is it that they're a game that promotes offense and home runs and they want action? Or is it a game that's analytics-based where we move players extreme amounts, which is a whole other topic on the CBA. We'll get more into that. What game is it? You know, is it we have to play matchups all the time or this dude's my horse, it's the seventh inning, I don't care if he's seen the order three, four, seven, nine times, if the dude hitting is hitting three ninety seven against him and the tying runs on second base. If that guy's my horse and I can feel it, then I'm going to keep him in there. What game are we? Baseball has an identity crisis, people, and along with the issue between the players and the owners, they don't even know who the hell they are as a sport, so there is a lot of things they need to figure out, and the first is getting just back on the field so the people like myself that still love the game continue to love the and watch the game. We now bring in the one and the only uh, Rocky Romanella here. Rocky, how we doing today? Get in on the thoughts.
0: Before Monday morning. What's up, man?
1: Not much. Uh, just trying to figure out what Major League Baseball is going to do so that we have a sport that people are still excited to watch and go watch
0: yeah no, it's it, it's interesting, and I think uh, I think a lot of what you're talking about from a fan standpoint is something that gets discussed in these CBAs and and the lockout talks. like um, I think one of my biggest takeaways from the O was o five or o six lockout in the NHL was what happened to the broadcast after the lockout. You know, you started seeing in period coaches' interviews on the bench, which obviously must have been talked about. You started seeing a different realm of coverage. You know, you had the you had the live look-ins from NHL NHL Tonight on NHL uh, Network, um, and getting player reactions. You've seen an increase in twenty four seven type uh, video of following teams. You you have the Winter Classic, um, so there was uh, the the shootout. So so many decisions being made about the game that didn't change the actual like game um, but all in relation to how it's going to make the fan feel so I think a lot of those discussions have to happen but they can't because they're so far apart on how they're paying the players
1: and I think that's the most frustrating part about it is there are 90 different issues like we're talking about the issue that you wish was the only issue on the table, which was how do we make it more engaging for fans? How do we make it more entertaining? Let's make this product better as a whole. Let's come together. But they can't even, they're not even in the ballpark, Rocky, of the same type of numbers when it comes to a luxury tax or when it comes to the amount of money to spend in an arbitration pool or how much you believe an owner should have to spend as a minimum in free agency whatever that is they can't even come close and we've already had two weekends worth of games canceled so it's like what do you do now because the players yesterday rocky as i know you know right they gave another proposal to major league baseball and the bottom line was they lowered the arbitration pool amount of money from 85 mil to 80 mil which is essentially the amount of money the owners can use on their arbitration in that offseason okay uh, the the league though rocky initially offered 30 million dollars <laughs> that's a 50 to 55 million dollar gap you don't generally make those up negotiations in a day at the table.
0: No, it's crazy. Like the gap is so great. I, I saw the 85, the difference between 85 and 30 when MLB put their proposal in uh, a couple, like last week. And it, it, it's just so big. And that's, and that's why it's like, I have always thought that this will be a full season lost because the gaps are that big. Now what would come out of it would ultimately be a better major league baseball, but when you see a discrepancy this big, right? Like it, I mean, it just means that the game has, has traveled to a place that the player seem is, is just completely not about them anymore and completely about revenue generating activities. Buster only wrote a scathing article uh, about the lack of leadership and just the overall just misinterpretation of what's happening from an MLB perspective, um, which which was a really good read too. So it's just crazy how, like they're just so far apart.
1: And, and some of the other it's numbers not. and some of the other numbers they're far apart on are the competitive balance tax, which in other sports is known as the luxury tax, as I mentioned earlier. And so essentially the players and the league both know that designing the luxury tax is going to be on an escalating scale, at least from the, what I understand Rocky. So let's say they sign the collective bargaining agreement next year. The, the cost of, uh, the luxury tax would be $238 million, right? Then the year after that, it might increase and increase and increase up to a point of $263 million. That's what the players are proposing, whereas the owners want that to start roughly at $220 and increase to roughly $230 million. On top of that, yeah. now, Ooh. so what I think I figured out is all the things directly re- related to the money, okay, the the that's where they're the, the most off right the players they were able to increase another major thing going into the CBA rock was the the minor league pay and i know it wasn't it wasn't a not a a gigundo increase but major league baseball did improve a few of those aspects, aspects including increasing the league minimum to 700,000 and some other incentive based things for service time for younger players
0: yeah, I've got two I've got two examples to help people understand like how the gap is so different if you don't Talk really understand us. like arbitration or whatever. So, I have two. So, the first thing I'm going to say is Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo, would you agree with me is a pretty big star in major league baseball right now? Agreed. Yeah. Like, you know, he's run the he's won the uh the home run derby a couple times now, like definitely considered a A player big time star future future of the Mets and, and of the league big name that guy played major in minor league baseball he played minor league he played in Syracuse so like you know you've got stars different than a lot of other sports almost every single player is hitting the minor league system at some point in their career so that's why it becomes important there Matt Harvey played minor league baseball um, they forced him to yeah, you know? so that like, might not be the greatest you know,
1: example anymore <laughs>
0: Awful, but, at, at, you know, I just it was the first thing that I thought of. So, and then the second thing is, so from Buster Olney's article, there's one, there's two sentences that I think really show you the gap between players and, and, and the ownership. And so he says, why are we working to protect a system that incentivizes losing? Think about that. The Baltimore Orioles, among others, have determined it's better to cut their payroll to, to nothing, lose, and pretend they are selling a major league product.
1: It's a great point.
0: And so when you when you think about that, you really it really articulates the business of baseball. And so how the business is saying, well, my business decision isn't about to win anymore based on where I'm at from an organizational standpoint and my money factor. From where I stand, I'm going to focus solely ticket sales, revenue generating activities from fans without the team winning and the fact that you're able to stay afloat and ultimately compete in that league the same as anyone else if you're a player getting drafted to that organization do you have a better or worse chance of getting into the league I I don't know but ultimately like why do we want our team not competing
1: anyway well yeah and I think that is why because the game isn't as popular now straight up as a spectator, with or without a lockout. Let's say everything was sunshine and rainbows. The owners and the players got along, which has literally never happened in the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, people, this dates back to like the early 1900s because you have to remember this was a sport Almost that was founded around like the players should just be lucky that they're playing the game for these owners. You used to never be able to like leave the team that you were on. So if you were on, let's say the Chicago White Sox and there's a lot of great dark history with them. So that's a great example and you wanted to... Well, that's,
0: that's yeah. where the what, what, that's where the commissioner came about, so I'll Correct. finish on that when you go.
1: Yeah, so long. the long and short of it is if, if you wanted to make more money, and let's say you were making $26 a game at the time in like the 1900s, and you went to the owner and said, I want to make $30 a game, and the owner could just laugh at you, and then you say, well, then I'm not going to play for you, and the owner says, okay, well, you're not going anywhere else to play. It's just how it worked. So over time... It was always the owners had an insane amount of power over the players, and it's never really shifted.
0: No, and when you, you know, there's that famous scene in um, in the White Sox scandal, if you're watching 8 Men Out or reading 8 Men Out, where Eddie Seacott, the pitcher, goes to Kaminsky to ask for a raise, and he's like, well, you haven't thrown him 30 games yet. I can't give you a raise. Or, you know, you haven't won 30 games yet. And he's the pitcher, and he's like, the guy's like, I can't get a raise. I'm thrown in 35, 40 games. I'm going to win 30. And I can't and I can't get my owner to give me a raise because I haven't played enough. Right. Think about that. And then in response to the the, the players taking the, the bribe and being a part of the fix, right, the owners go to a judge and say, hey, we want you to be our commissioner. We can't control these players. We need help with the rules. Right, the governing rules are were meant to control players. They were not meant to control the game itself.
1: Correct, correct.
0: So now you've kind of seen, you know, now you're at a hundred years of baseball, or a hundred years of the commissioner in baseball, and you're at a point where, wow, this is really the discrepancy is big, right? This is a lifetime of, of baseball now, where you just have a complete. Dominance of ownership over the players And that's why and again that's why I think This thing is going a full season
1: Yeah and also you're now in an Error where the players have the Opportunity to get people On their side and I Think that's a huge aspect I almost am in this Debate mentally with myself Okay Do I want Major League Baseball To return because I love watching Major League Baseball and I just love baseball In general or do I ultimately never want this to happen again? And what I mean by that is, if this group of players, is, if this generation of the game is willing to draw the line in the sand as much as they're drawing the line in the sand to the point where they're willing to lose games, they're willing to lose an entire season, they're willing to lose a lot of what they would earn just... To change what has been the history of Major League Baseball. Now, you can't do that in one collective bargaining agreement. You can't do that in one extended lockout or strike, et cetera, et cetera. But what you can do is what you referenced to earlier, Rocky, which is at some point the National Hockey League realized we're going down a road where hockey will not be a sport that youth wants to play, and we will not be able to fill our stands that only really max out at 22,000 people in some locations. So we need to do something. And there was a discrepancy between what the players believed and what the owners believed. And that year led to what I think is an unbelievable product and now a sport that is growing at a really high rate and something that baseball needs to find and say, hey, what do they do? And maybe these this group of players has the goyons, as they say, to stand long enough.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, and, and I don't I don't necessarily know what what the answer is outside of what you just said. You know, like, sit tight, Sophia. Um, you know what, what what you said from a player standpoint. Like, if if they're going to hold strong, then you'll see it better. You know, ten years from now, you'll say, oh well, great. You know, the lockout turned out to be positive. You know, but the sad part is is that the sad part is is that this, in my opinion, was avoidable because you had COVID right? Like, I don't know why no one had the four, like, why did we wait? So, if you're a minor league player, you're a fringe player with an opportunity to play in Major League Baseball, over the last two years, you've completely lost your chance. You've had no chance, right? Because of COVID wiping out the minor league game, and then this, I mean, you're, you're not playing for two, two and a half years. I mean, where have you been playing, and is it even worth it, considering the fact that there's not even a spot for you to play into? You know? There's so many people that just can't play that we're already at the professional level, let alone what's happening to to the youth level. The Little League World Series is going to garner more attention than ever before.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I've seen a lot of um, people, which I loved because I'm a part of this aspect. You know, ESPN came out and said 2,200 Division One collegiate baseball games would be broadcasted on their airwaves this year. And so we, as coaches, a lot of them, especially not as much me, but I'm down with what they're saying, is saying, "Hey, you know what? You guys want your baseball fix? You got to watch. You got to watch collegiate baseball. It is a fantastic product. It is a whole lot more fun." sometimes than Major League Baseball because you're not always getting just homers and strikeouts. You're getting the game at its true roots, bunts, steals, hit and runs, hopefully playing great defense. Like, you're getting good pitching, good hit Like, you're getting all of it. So, you know, I, I hope that... Because that's really what it comes down to, too, though, man. Like, it is a part about growing the game at the at the younger level. And I think, and I, I know I'm in it, but the fact of the matter is college baseball... Is a lot of times a way more fun product than Major League Baseball. Just like people would say, sometimes college basketball is a way more fun product than the NBA until the postseason, because you're watching guys go hard in the game of basketball the whole game, playing defense, like schemes. You're seeing real co- I Like it's it's all of those things encompassed. So I I urge people. I want Major League Baseball back. Don't get me wrong. But while it's gone because it ain't coming back. You're missing the first two weekends. You're not seeing it till probably the earliest May. You're getting through 75% of the collegiate baseball season. Turn it on. Check out ESPN.com. Check out ESPN Plus. Check out ESPN3. Almost every night of the week you can be watching legitimate collegiate baseball. And and that's a you want your baseball fixed, You want to help grow the game. That's that's a great way to help grow the game. And honestly, man, like some of the bullpen stuff, the interviews, there's just more fun at the college level, I believe, than Major League Baseball sometimes in terms of what would engage the fans, Rocky, and not engage the fans.
0: Yeah, well, it's pure, right? You've got it's more pure. There's that's no a great word involved. for it. There's people, you know, there's people. It's just it's just people playing. It and speaking of college. I did pay attention to college basketball this week, wow. as you mentioned. And part of my hockey with Rocky is a college hockey segment.
1: Oh, wow. That's exciting stuff.
0: I, I know. I know not, not so much about, not so much about uh, the teams, but actually there's a, I have a playoff discussion and it's actually aligned with, you know, MLB. There's a lot of talks about playoff format. Um, you know, you're talking college. We got the March madness coming up. There's that playoff format. And so I've got, I actually want to hear your thoughts on, on the things I'm going to bring up from that standpoint. But before we get into hockey, real hockey I did see Coach K. Um, you know, hilarious. And <laughs> he deserves, he, he, he loses because he announced a year and a half ago about his retirement. That's my opinion. If he doesn't announce his retirement and just goes through, he wins this game. Um, it, that's just my that's personal opinion. <laughs> and rocky and,
1: n- n- hates <laughs> people and i don't like it either but rocky is a on the hate train for people that announce their retirement a year before they finish
0: <laughs> uh, i just don't understand like what what the gain was like he wanted to guarantee himself his his farewell parties and so for 90 for for a year and a half i was going to say 90 minutes cuz that's an hour and a half but so for a year so for a year and a half, the UNC Tar Heels, the North Carolina, your biggest rivalry, just thought about the fact that the last game that you're gonna coach the cameron indoor was versus them and all they did was think about like I could lose every single game, I'm winning that game.
1: Yeah. No doubt. That's and
0: all you know, they thought about.
1: And also, take a page out of their former head coach's book, Roy Williams, he kinda just faded away into the the night retired and moved on and is one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time you you don't need this farewell tour crap like i thought it was a i'm not gonna lie like you got to give the man credit no matter what you think about him as a person at the end of the day he won basketball games but i don't care like it doesn't mean that i should have to uh, like just though you coached your final game at cameron And you say, hey, guy, you know, I'm out. Or finish the season, say, hey, guys, I'm out. Or I'll even take Rocky that going into that game, behind closed doors, you started rumbling to your AD, hey, you know, I'm just letting you know right now, this is probably going to be my last game at this state. Whatever. Okay, fine. Maybe they want to then kind of announce it, but like kind of surprise you with something. I'm cool with that. But the need to tell me then and then give me the blah the, the the bs that he gives you across the time. And then and I'll play the audio later. Um and then to say what he said post game which I thought was like almost embarrassing is is what I felt. And I lo- and I honestly don't ever want to talk to the people that were like, "Oh, coach K, that's awesome. Post game not satisfied last game at Cameron. Like, that's a joke, bro. You told the entire crowd at the stadium to be quiet." So, I don't know. The whole thing it like at first, it didn't really bother me because I guess I didn't really care. But then, over time, the way like he kind of acted and like the way it all kind of went down, and the way it finished last night, I or the other day, I amped. Go, go, Tar Heels, man! I hope they win the ACC <laughs> Seriously. too.
0: <laughs> Seriously, like he, if if that if that speech wasn't more obvious of someone who let his fame get to his head, then I don't know what else is.
1: Absolutely, I don't know what else. Bad so, guy vibes that speech gave.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, and the end and, and your NASCAR races in Las Vegas yesterday. Alex Bowman win in an overtime format. Tough, tough way to go out for Kyle Busch it was a really exciting finish. Just oh. so you know.
1: Wow. Right. So the uh, I guess the new cars are continuing to rock and produce great NASCAR rubber.
0: So by the way, Danica Patrick was in the booth oh. and Danica Patrick, quote unquote,
1: NASCAR is a team sport. Wow! Really? Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Ooh, hot day, <laughs> Danica, I mean, she's she must be listening to the Rome show because we've have we've been literally having this debate on a weekly basis, not necessarily on the air, but over the uh, the surrounding areas of the people that exist around the Rome show. And yeah, I'm telling you, man. I, I just yeah. the more you think about it, NASCAR. Is a sport now that I know more about like what the people in the headset do, the fact that there are no rear view mirrors and like someone is legitimately telling you who's around you while you're driving 200 miles per hour, like that's kind of mind blowing stuff. Like I don't think you could do that solo dolo.
0: I I've got an example from yesterday's race. Do you want it?
1: Talk to us. Talk to talk to us, Romo sapiens.
0: Kyle Bush, Thursday in practice, hits the wall, wrecks his car car is done by saturday he's got no engine they rebuild the car from the ground up and then he gets into the race on Sunday. so he's had a very tumultuous tumultuous week at the speedway S-A-T-L. right everyone knows it yeah for, for sure everyone knows that they're all seeing his frustration so then he gets into the race he hits the wall he gets into a wreck he gets into like a one-on-one battle with with what and like they're like racing and they're like they're pretending to run into each other and he's and he's Tailgating him after the end of one, of, it, it was serious. It was a serious battle, and then with 20 laps to go, he's leading the race, and Kyle Busch has got a nice lead on Ross Chastain, and it's just, and it's uh, a really, really good, good finish. Oh, excuse me, it was Martin Truex Jr. Uh, on on the heels of Kyle Busch, and they're racing, and then Truex passes him on the inside. Kyle Busch, you know, he switches and he passes him back on the inside and continues the lead, and and. Pretty much it's a foregone conclusion that Kyle Bush is going to win the race now with just at three laps to go in the regular field there's a wreck awful the worst thing that could happen to Kyle Bush. The caution flag comes out Ugh. and now you've got a race and now you've got to race in overtime, which is a three lap format there's so like overtime any wreck, racing what well anytime there's a there's a caution with under Three laps to go. You go to this format. So even even NASCAR has adjusted its style of play to create a more exciting finish when there when there is that need. That way, never no race would ever end under caution. Sure. So now here's your team aspect. You decide to pit right because let me get fresh tires for the drag race that's about to happen. Correct. Well, Kyle Busch comes in. Kyle Busch takes four tires. Oh. Alex Bowman comes in. And Kyle Larson come in, Chase Elliott come in, they take two tires. Alice Bowman and Kyle Larson beat Kyle Bush out onto the racetrack. Oh so good now at the, and so now you start two by two. So now you've got Larson and Bowman out in front. You've got Bush and I can't remember who's next to him. And based on the aerodynamics at the restart, Kyle Bush isn't able to get behind Bowman and, and Larson to draft into their position because he's battling his own person next to him sure. which puts him at a disadvantage never catches those guys Alex Bowman goes and wins the race and ultimately if the pit decided to maybe change two tires Instead of four. or not pit at all yeah. or not pit at all you you keep you you keep the lead after the restart and have a better chance of winning so there would be your team example
1: and it is kind of crazy that to think that with three laps remaining, you crush those tires so much on the track that you actually have to think about changing them to better your opportunity to race faster and win. That drag race, as you called it, is pretty crazy, dude. Like, that's a, That's kind of a, a nuts to think about. And that is the ultimate team example right there. It's like putting the right there, or wrong there. penalty killer power play on the there. ice when you need it.
0: That's right there's no there's no amount of science or data that would tell me that I'm hitting in that scenario.
1: I' will, I'm see, the driver I agree <laughs> <Right>? unless unless <laughs> I feel like I my blanking. tires <laughs> don't give me full handling, I'm on that track <laughs> until it's over.
0: I'm lightning McQueen. No one's touching my first position. Like I'm not leaving it up to chance at the pit.
1: Like no chance. No, no. And and even if I believe in my team, I'm like, listen, bro, we, we don't, we didn't even have a car 48 hours ago. We should be happy. We're even in this position. Like we are riding this thing. Yeah. I will, I will run this to the ground trying to win this race.
0: So
1: I kind of want a NASCAR now.
0: I'm telling you, we're going to we're going to we're going I mean, to at yeah. least one race this year.
1: Exhilarating stuff!
0: I'm, I'm telling you. The, the, and by the way, I had a camera. The can like we talked about, the improved camera angles on the cars. I was in, we were, I was in the driver's
1: seat yesterday. That's awesome. Locked in. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. I like, I I like that because again, you are somebody that it's a direct correlation to what we just talked about with baseball seven years ago, right? NASCAR might be on, on the TV because you know, it was a Sunday and we maybe had gained some interest when there was like a UPS car. And then so like we'd watch it, but like you weren't a fan of NASCAR well today Rocky March 7th 2022 I would officially indoctrate you I don't know what that word is indoctrine in Indo- whatever it is sure yeah that word we're looking for we're, you're not this not all of us have the SAT and, capabilities
0: and, I, and so that but the people must know that if I'm going you know if I decided to choose a car to cheer for though, right. I would still need a year waiting
1: period. C- correct. Like so I would say you are a fan of the sport of NASCAR, but you do not have a fanship yet for a specific car.
0: Yeah, once I choose once I choose a racer, then then I would take it would take you a full season of following that racer and cheering for the racer and if the racer were to win the championship, you're not allowed to celebrate. It's not yours.
1: Correct, because yeah.
0: it's your one-year waiting period. You have to earn your fanship.
1: That 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 is that is correct, and and I think that there's plenty of time for you before you 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 enter into that realm, because you know there's a lot of emotions that come with the choice of fanship, as I'm sure a lot of the Romo sapiens know, and I feel like more times than not. It's a lot of more heartache than excitement when you are a fan of teams, and in this case, a, a race team. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, um, is it I'm time ready for hockey with Rocky? Okay, I think so here we go. Now, inside the glass, hockey with Rocky.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hockey with Rocky. My name's Katie Strang. No, it's not. It is <laughs> Rocky Romanella. <laughs> Katie Strang, writer for ESPN. Um,
1: I love when you. I love when really? you give a tidbit on the people <laughs> that you announce yourself.
0: Well, they have to. Yeah. Well. You know, people have to understand I'm picking hockey people. I'm not yeah. just saying
1: random. Names. No, I mean I I honestly like there's no chance 100% of people knew that. But
0: I'd love yeah.
1: But you're right. You're 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 a man of the people, so it makes sense.
0: Do you want me to start or end hockey with Rocky with closing up the backyard rink this this winter?
1: I would like you to end with it as long as you give yourself ample enough time to really describe it to the people.
0: Fantastic. So, hey, listen, if you're paying attention to the standings, the races, the races for playoff positioning is getting intense. If I'm going to if you want to pay attention to a team, pay attention to the Pittsburgh Penguins right now who have seemed to come out of the all star in the winter break uh, with with just an absolute force from an offensive and a defensive standpoint. They're skating like a complete team. They're extremely difficult to beat. They are on the rise. I would be, I know the Rangers, as a Rangers fan, it looks like we will play them in the first round. So definitely a team that I've been paying a lot of attention to if you want someone to follow.
1: Does that, as a fan of a team in the Eastern Conference slash the Metropolitan Division, Rocky, does that bother you? Because I feel like the Pittsburgh Penguins are almost like the Patriots have been in football. Maybe not as many championships, but doesn't it just feel like every single year they're going to somehow, some way, find a way to be a team where you say, man, this team's good. You don't want to play them. Crosby,
0: Malkin, and Latang. It'll be that way until they're gone.
1: It's crazy. The longevity of hockey players, man.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that is it. I mean, it's Crosby, it's Malkin, it's Latang, And until those guys are done, the road, you know, will essentially go through Pittsburgh from a metropolitan standpoint. And, you know, even with the Caps, the Caps had to go through the Penguins every year. You know, the you know, so that that is that that's just how it goes. Yeah. So you know, the Islanders had to go through the Penguins to to get to where they were uh, in the last two seasons, and a few times they lost. So those are always good series. But until Crosby's gone, it, it doesn't matter. He scored his five hundredth goal this year, a couple uh, about a week and a half ago, and it seems like that team is really gelling at the right time, which is which is scary for everyone else. So. But what I really wanted to talk about today was the NCAA, NCAA hockey conference playoff format, and I wanted to get your opinion on it.
1: Okay, okay, I'm excited.
0: So I was doing some reading over the weekend, and and, uh, this was conference, the conference tournaments kicked off this weekend, so a hockey edition of March Madness, if you will. And I was reading the formats of every conference, and every conference had a different format. And in some cases, your first round games, or your quarterfinal and your quarterfinal games were producing a best of three game series where when you got into the semifinals and finals, it was a one game. It was just one game. And so I'm like trying to think about why that is like, why are we playing series in the early rounds, And yet then you get to the semis and the championship and you're only playing one game. Wouldn't it be in reverse? and I want to know what you think of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's really stupid. Like, that is really dumb. Like I don't understand. Now, the only question I'll ask before I really put a stamp on my statement is, do they play series throughout the regular season? Like, I know, like a home and an away, but is it like on back-to-back days? Like, how does that work?
0: Yeah, Yeah, you typically play your opponent twice in a week, but that's because that's that's because of travel. So if you travel, you're going to play two games at that place versus just one game. But never right? is in a three game cost. series. But no, you, you don't play. You don't play. You don't play in
1: series. That's so mind blowingly stupid.
0: Yeah, the only legitimacy I see to it is that everyone typically in the conference playoffs, everyone makes the playoffs. So your first round teams with a bye. You know, I guess my, I guess I'm saying, I guess you're saying, hey, this is an extended regular season. Like sure. you weren't that good. You're a lower seed. You're you're going to need more games to prove that. Like the difference between the 10th seed and the 12th seed has to be, you know, determined a little bit by two games and three games instead of one. I guess I, I don't know. I would think that you would have your round one one game eliminate the worst teams get to the quarterfinals and then in the semis and the championship you would play your best of three there
1: yeah like i'm cool with series happening in the playoffs but i'm i'm not okay with it's it's my it's my same thought and a lot of people's same thought with the one game wild card in baseball right like but at least that happens to your point first so you get it out of the way. It's like, okay, single game, you play the teams that maybe are teetering. Are, are they even good enough to be in the postseason? Let one of them eliminate themselves and then we'll move on, right? So that in ultimately is the only way you should be doing a postseason format if and only if you do singles and series. But to flip it, is honestly mind-blowing because two things. The first is series always offer the opportunity for the worst team to really give themselves a glimmer of hope because if you just win one of the first two games, you have now put the doubt in the better team that you can beat them. Whereas if it's a one game straight up, well, that's a significantly different scenario so you probably see rocky more upsets in the first round of these playoffs than you would necessarily think because you know just as well as i do hockey's a different animal and it's like one of those sports where across the board it's like upsets can happen because the mindset of hockey players and the way they play the game
0: yeah no doubt and then in one case like i'm the five seed now i gotta go play the 12 and a best of three when the four seed who maybe i'm what one game worse than Sure. one game better than, yeah. you know, and they, they, they get a buy, they get to play less games. So, you know, it's, it, it's just interesting. And then I know this is hockey with Rocky, but it brings me to a, to, to a bigger NCAA question is, is you've got conferences that are pretty much run independently of the NCAA governing body. The conferences truly run the groupings of, of teams. Should that be more standardized? Because then you look at the conferences, some have 12 teams, some have eight teams, some have six teams. Now, in hockey, geography plays a huge part of that because there's only 72 Division One hockey teams across the country comparative to, to basketball, where well, there's 400. But still, even in basketball, you're seeing the ACC has 16 teams. And they're all just ranked one through 16. Like, there's not even an ACC North and an ACC yeah. South. It's yeah. just, you know, like, Boom, it, it's everywhere. <laughs> and so, so you think of it like, hey, should, should there be a standardized conference tournament style of play? And does that even matter? And, and that's kind of where what I was thinking about when I was reading that article. I'm obviously interested in the teams and, and who's going to be good and who's going to make it to the Frozen Four. But still, like I was more interested in the playoff format aspect this week.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, and I'll take you inside the curtain here a little bit, Rocky, as somebody that I guess... It's not technically does, but it feels like technically works in the NCAA. Um, The bottom line is the NCAA governing body just approved a complete change to the entire, essentially, rule book manifesto of what the NCAA is made up of. Okay. So essentially, what's going to happen is a, I believe, now, they, it's not a lot of information given out, but the bottom line is they're redoing the entire thing. I think it's going to become the entire NCAA is a one NCAA 1A, 1B, 2, 3 scenario, just like football operates now. It used to be 1 and 1AA. One now it's considered FBS and FCS. Either way, I think that's essentially going to happen and it's all going to be based around the conferences. So, the Power 5 conferences and maybe one or two other conferences will make up NCAA Division 1. And then the second level of conferences will make up NCAA Division 1 AA. And then the third set of Division 1 conferences would be NCAA Division 1 AAA. And then you would probably still keep your Division 2s and your Division 3s the way they are. But I think now that gives the power back to the conference. And I know that's not necessary your question. Your question is, do you believe there should be one, a playoff format straight across? Yes, I do. I think it's stupid. I think every sport should have one playoff format that pushes through the entire country. Now, maybe in some conferences, like in some of these basketball conferences, there might only be six or seven schools. So some things might have to adjust you know, accordingly, but I think it should be across the board. This is how it's done, which is also why I think the the four teams that get that play in game in the NCAA tournament stupid to me. Just just eliminate them. Like that's stupid. Like they it should just yeah. be sixty four teams, the same for everybody. Not this one random twelve seed, which isn't the worst. Even the worst seed has to play a play in game. So I agree with it, but that is kind of where I believe the NCAA is trending, which I think then makes this conversation even more interesting because it's going to be. Significantly more conference based.
0: Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see. So, and again, hockey is a different animal, right? You've got basketball four hundred Division One teams versus seventy two. That's crazy. You Only seventy
1: two. That's nuts.
0: So, and I think that that's the number. No, I, I'm ninety eight percent high. It was seventy when I want to say it was seventy when Arizona State joined and. St. Thomas and in, in Minnesota has joined now, and you've got the uh, uh, LIU Post who's Division One now. So um, I, I think seventy-two is a rough estimate, but I I want to say
1: I'm pretty close. So LIU NEC um, Conference, nice.
0: There you go. And uh, to to wrap it up, we, we we closed up the backyard hockey rink yesterday, um, lifted the tarp, broke through the ice with a sledgehammer.
1: It was impressive out of you what you did.
0: So, yes, the backyard rink was great. What do you want to know about it before before you give me a where do you play play in college?
1: Just explain to the people. First off, you got to go follow at Coach Rocky 917 on Instagram because I I think there's a... a, I haven't posted it yet. I know. There's something solid coming that will really give you the idea of what Rocky's talking about in his backyard.
0: At the end of Hockey with Rocky, I will post a video for
1: you. All right. So, at... Coach Rocky nine one seven, and then you know what we'll do? We'll repost it, Rocky. Make sure you tag at Wide World of Rome, and then we'll we'll repost so do it Do I do a people.
0: story? Do I do a story or do I do a post? I think Explain you. To me, I'm old.
1: You have to post it on, on the main page of your Instagram, and then you have to share that post into your story. And in that share, oh you can tag at Wide World of Rome, where we can then share it in our story. Can I just?
0: Can I just share it right to your story? Why do I have to be redundant with my post?
1: <laughs> because your your <laughs> sure, some people don't. They look at the stories before they look at, okay. at the post. You know you what I'm saying? It.
0: You got it. You got it. I'll I do both. Cover both avenues. Uh, uh, all right. So, so what do you want to know? Start to finish. High highlights, low lights.
1: Highlights, low lights.
0: Highlights. I had a rink in my backyard. Insane. Low lights. I put a I put a hole in the tarp and the top layer flooded in the backyard. So I needed a base layer of ice before I could refill it to the actual top.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, that definitely can't be what you're looking to do when you're building an ice rink.
0: So is it Um,
1: significantly not cold enough now? Like it's over, like in Rochester, you're, you're done with the the full depth of the winter.
0: It was, it was 60 degrees and and windy. So it's not that it's not going to continue to get cold. It's just not going to be freezing all the time. So we put the rink up right after Thanksgiving on like the last one day of the fall. And we didn't really get a chance to skate on it until the first week in January, when you saw four straight days of sub 25 degree weather. And then for about a three to four week stretch, it never really got that high above 32. And so you didn't really have to worry about um, losing any
1: ice or or any of it melting. Wow. That is mind blowing stuff. I the fact that, you know, multiple months ago, you mentioned that you wanted this to be done and through, may I toot my own horn, my really good job of continuing to throw shots at the fact that I wanted to see the rig and I never even skated on it. That's the best part. I know. But you saw it. You saw it when it was a pool. Correct. But without that motivation, without those nudges, you may not had the experience you had. And for that, you're welcome. But secondly, I think that is probably one of the single most coolest things you've ever built in your entire life. And you've built some pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. The long-term investment is going to be coils. So they're electric coils that you can buy. Now, they're like $10,000 probably. But if you use a coil, they have a 30-year shelf life. But then you could you freeze the ice like through science and electricity. And that way, when it's like 30 to 40 degrees, you could still skate. So, you know, in my future, I'm seeing a sport court with coils that, you know, doubles as a roller hockey rink, basketball court, tennis, you know, whatever. And then freezes into a hockey rink. So I think, you know, I've got uh, some years before I get there, but this will be something I do every winter for
1: sure. We left uh, we left your Instagram for the people before at Coach Rocky 917 so they could see the video. Do you want to leave your Venmo so they can donate to the cause? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I I could use it. I definitely need a new tarp. I got holes in this one pretty well, aggressively.
1: Well, I wanted to stay on the theme of hockey because the, when you sent me the pre Instagram vid, I got fired up last night. So I, I originally wrote down a "Where'd you go to college?" that was from the NBA, but then I found and thought of a "Where did you go to college?" hockey edition slash thank you boarding school slash Ooh. boarding school. Yes. Okay, so yes. we will go with. Where did Jonathan Taves go to college?
0: Oh, Jonathan Taves. This is annoying. I want to say he went to North Dakota.
1: That would be correct. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes! Yeah, the, yeah yes! <laughs> that would be oh, correct. I'm fired up about that. <laughs> yeah. Now, for for now, now that that has now put you on a four week right streak, you're now five and eight, so you are inching closer to five hundred. Very proud of you. The hockey is definitely helped
0: North helpful. Dakota, that's right. I cu- I couldn't tell you where someone went to Georgia or LSU. <laughs> yeah, nope, not at all. But you could definitely <laughs> uh, figure
1: out when someone went to North Dakota. Now. If you know this, the it Fighting Sioux,
0: the Fighting Sioux, they redid their they redid their facilities like five six years ago. It's first class, very great
1: good spot, very great program. Current
0: NHL coach uh, Ron uh, Mike Hexall, uh who formerly coached Flyers, now I can't remember who he's with. Uh, with oh, the Seattle Kraken actually was a uh, was a Fighting
1: Sioux head coach. Go, go, goaltender Ron Hexall?
0: No, no, no. It, it's it's Mike. I think it, I said it wrong. Oh. Just look it up.
1: Okay, all right, yeah. well, and and. If you if you'd know this it, it's even more impressive and I feel like you might because this school might be close to your heart because of things you've done in your youth past. but where did Jonathan Taves play his boarding school hockey prior to going to North Dakota?
0: Jonathan Taves not uh, Jonathan Taves, probably played at um, uh, <laughs> I want to say Eden Hall.
1: From, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from Mighty Ducks?
0: <laughs> Mighty Ducks 3. <laughs> uh, no, did, um, did he play at Shatter St. Mary's?
1: Woo! Oh, yeah. Bam! Dude, people don't even know what these places are.
0: Shattuck <laughs> <laughs> St. Mary's, that's actually where they shot Eden Hall, from what I understand. Yeah. But that's a big, probably one of the most known... Um, prep schools in Minnesota.
1: I think that was the first one I had ever known about in my entire life. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they used to play like at the travel level, not necessarily in like a a, a prep school league. Yeah,
1: yeah. Speaking of prep schools, so, how about the Gunnery going to the uh, small school final again? Yeah, did they. What was they,
0: wasn't that yesterday? The Fredrick, or was
1: it next weekend. The Frederick Gun School. I think the semifinal was yesterday. I don't really know because um, I don't really understand they, the small I school. Playing, I thought they
0: were playing. I thought they were playing. Well so so what happens is is you take all of New England prep school. Okay. And then you get a you get to an elite eight and there's eight teams. That is the true that's the overall championship. Okay. Then they break the next sixteen teams out into large schools, so schools with more than a certain number of kids on campus, and then small school, and then you play. So there's essentially three championships. But there is one main championship. so ah, similar it's the to, bowl. Yeah.
1: It's the bowl series. They, they're, bowl, they're,
0: they're bowl series. What a great <laughs> example. Yes,
1: yeah. That's great. I I actually don't dislike that because having played at that level, and you know this, like it is pretty cool for at least 24 teams to be engaging in what – because those are really good hockey teams from 1 to 24, I'm sure.
0: And, and, and I think they still do it, but they used to play all three championship games at the Salem Ice Center and Salem, New Hampshire. And electric atmospheres, right? Every like all six schools will bus their students in, right? The, and so for three games, it's a packed house. So like, it's, you know, people shuffle in and shuffle out, and then you know, the stand, you know, the, the kids go crazy. The winner always skates over to the stands, and then you have like the image of like the fans leaning over the over the glass, celebrating with the kids. Like it's 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 a great atmosphere. You should definitely got
1: that. That is very cool. Well, on on the list of things we probably won't do for another three years, we should throw that on there. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go every year. <laughs> uh, oh, at, 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 and that was a g- exceptional, exceptional hockey with Rocky. You ever, you there know, you go. I think it deserves an applause in its own, right? I don't know if you have to leave in this second, but I didn't get to ask you this when we talked about baseball, and I know...
0: Final question. Final question.
1: Final question. How do you feel about the possibility of them banning the shift?
0: I mean, I, I would love that. It's just never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that, I think, I think it would be fantastic. So, but apparently, I, I don't, that's I don't, on the that's docket. Just, I, I heard it's on the docket, but, like, why? Um and, and is it the player? That's the players asking for no shift, you know, which is interesting considering they're all just in trains to hit home runs anyway. So who cares? I mean, 50, like, not even 50, 80% of the time a player walks up the plate and sees the shift, they're not thinking about putting, hitting an opposite field hit or bunting down the left field line, which that's what you're saying by saying, I don't want to shift. I want to play more traditional baseball. But if that's the case, well, then hit the ball to the, bunt the ball to the left, to, to the third baseman. And run the first. If you did that every time, then no one would shift on you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's, again, back to my point about <laughs> why you should watch college baseball because you'll still see shifts in movement in college baseball, but you'll see players actually committed to, okay, if you're going to give me that side, I'll try at least. I might not be good at it, but I'll try at least to go that way with the baseball. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're a major league baseball hitter. You're telling me you can't hit the ball to the
0: opposite side of the field. Oh, no. I'm going to Okay, there's the shift. All right. I'm still looking for the one mistake the pitcher's going to make on an inside pass and I'm going to try and drive it over the right field bend. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I just, it just doesn't, ah, I can't, you know, that, again, it's just like they're so far apart. They're fighting over stuff that at this point doesn't matter.
1: I agree. It's almost like, let's just, let's, let's pick some fights because we want to pick some fights. Either way, I just had to get your thoughts on it because I, I read a little bit about that, some pitch clock, some other stuff, which we'll get into in the last 20, 30 minutes of the show. But I had to get your because I know you had some some hot takeish thoughts on on that topic.
0: Yeah, I, I actually was laughing when I saw the, the the shift was coming up
1: in conversation. Yeah, it's but but you know what though? For some, I I think part of it's also baseball. The owners are willing to give stuff like that to the players to hopefully shut them up about the owner.
0: Well, it's just a recognition of the player saying, like, you guys are literally controlling everything. Yeah to the number, like it, it's not even like, it's not even like we're just talking about money. You are literally controlling how we play the game more than a player should give up based on the fact that they're actually the people playing the game.
1: Right. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> so, point. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Yeah.
0: Roma sapiens, Andrew, this is where I must leave
1: you. Exceptional time, exceptional stuff today. We appreciate you.
0: Hey, have a great week. Have a great day. Always love spending time. with Yeah.
1: That is the one. Go night. Nice. Go nice. Oh, yeah. We appreciate that. That is the one, the only Rocky Romanella. Everybody, <laughs> applause for that man. Applause for him. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. You don't, get rock, you don't get hockey with Rocky anywhere else on the airwaves. You get a lot of great hockey on the 12 ouncesportsradiocom airwaves. Um, so, I mean, there's a plethora of shows. And I know when you're on 12 ouncesportsradiocom and you go click the schedule and the live shows, it's going to show you a lot. And a lot of those shows probably break down hockey um, at a very great and a very high intellectual clip, much like Rocky brings to you on Hockey with Rocky. So we'll break down some of the stuff he said, a little bit more into Major League Baseball. want to give you some stuff um, from Rob Manfred, which kind of pissed me off. I got that Coach K audio for you and some more. At Wide World of Rome on Twitter and the gram. This is the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. We will be back after this. Yes, indeed. It is the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter live. I'm Andrew Romanella. We just got off the phone with Rocky Romanella. We broke down a lot. If you missed any of it, catch the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search Wide World of Rome or the rome show podcast two ways to get your podcast search wide world rome or the rome show podcast wherever you get your podcast and of course at wide world of rome on twitter and at wide world of rome on instagram your rome today comes out of major league baseball and it is this The last time Major League Baseball went through a lockout was in 1994, where the players and the owners could not come to an agreement and played the season at the start in 1994 without a collective bargaining agreement. The players set a date of August 11th as a strike date, and they did just that. They striked in 1994, being the first time a professional North American sport did not have a championship played that would be the world series in total 948 games were canceled during that 1994 season essentially putting the montreal expo's in the decline to eventually move to Washington, D.C. In that season, you might not have known, but Tony Gwynn was hitting 394, coming the closest at that time to hitting over 400, as Ted Williams did. And a guy named Matt Williams, who is a third base coach in Major League Baseball now, had 43 home runs. You know why that's significant? Because on August 11th, when the season ended, he was only 17 home runs away from tying Roger Maris's single-season home run record of 61. At that time, around 113 games were played for each team in Major League Baseball, leaving roughly 45 games remaining or more for Matt Williams to, to beat that record. Instead, you got... Cancellation of the rest of the season, no 1994 World Series, and quite possibly the disappointment of seeing a lot of historic things happen, and the Montreal Expos, which at the time had some of the best talent in Major League Baseball, possibly I'm not saying they'd stay there for forever, but I'm saying a World Series championship in 1994 comparative to a lost season and then a fire sale and the worst season in the franchise in 1995 probably would help a little bit more. Mind-blowing stat on Matt Williams, though. That's your Romalytic today, March 7th, 2022. I did I did not realize that, because it's not like Matt Williams is the, a name that, that jumps off the page when you think about history of Major League Baseball, right? Like, wow, but... That 1994 season did a lot for Major League Baseball, including ruin it. And you might say to yourself, what what do you mean, Andrew? Like they came out of that and then they they, they went into the steroid era and then they had the home run race then someone did eventually beat Maris and then someone else eventually beat Maris and now all of those people aren't even in the Hall of Fame anyways and one of them eventually beat Babe Ruth and now has the most home run. All that stuff has happened since then. But... Because of what we talked about in the early stages of Major League Baseball's history, continued over the course of time with the history of the way Major League Baseball's played out, Okay, and I also think Pete Rose is a huge aspect of this conversation, Okay, then you continue to see that in 94, it didn't change, they're still fighting, and now you come to the steroid era, and they allow it to happen, then essentially blame those players, there's a distrust. There's a distrust between the players and the owners in the history of Major League Baseball. And every time, it is the fans that get screwed. Great baseball was being played in 94. Historic things were happening, season cut. Now, I know it's the player's decision, but at some point, the owners have to stop being the greedy bleeps that they're being. It's just a fact. The history of baseball has written, has been written with owners trying to over-control the players. And I get it, it's their money, their business. But when you start challenging the integrity of the game, when you start questioning what is the game of baseball, what fun does it bring, then you have a real issue. And I, I'm sorry, but I get the point, and Rocky was talking about this, of the owners believing that in certain scenarios, they don't need to have a winning product to be winning in the business world. And I'm sure they're correct about that. But eventually, that'll run out. Boxing was what I would believe, and I wasn't alive for this, but it felt that way when looking at the history of sports. Boxing was like the number one sport in America for a while. And I'm sure people in boxing never thought that would change. And then corruption and other BS happened. And I think as other or uh, leagues got better at promoting their sport, branding their sport, boxing didn't. Okay. And now I, I would go as far to say is boxing is, is the closest sport to, to being dead as I've ever seen. I can't remember a boxing fight that people were really excited about that doesn't involve a guy that started punching people on YouTube. And I'm not discrediting those dudes. They've probably trained enough to now become a professional boxer, but it just isn't the same as it was then. And so Major League Baseball needs to ask boxing what it's like to be a sport that everyone in America wanted to watch at one point in time To now be a what feels like forgotten sport. And unfortunately, baseball is trending that way. I don't believe it'll ever be forgotten. Because I'm in the depths of the youth game. And I'm in the depths of the college game. And it's still there. Yeah, maybe little leagues aren't as popular. I don't think that's necessarily because there aren't as many kids. There's definitely not. The numbers lessened. But I don't think the le- number is lessened so much that you say, oh my God, in 12 years the game won't even exist anymore. But the number is lessened, whereas other sports numbers have grown. And that, to me, is the direct sign of success. Five to 12-year-olds. And then are you keeping those five to 12-year-olds in your game, and are they, are they becoming 12 to 21-year-olds? And then, if, if good enough, are those 12 to 21-year-olds becoming your 21 to 40-year-olds that we're talking about right now in Major League Baseball? That's what has to happen. It's got to be a grassroots thing. I was t- I've been talking about this with the Brian Flores scenario in filing a lawsuit against the NFL. The problem needs to be answered at the lowest level. What are the opportunities for minority coaches? Are they the right opportunities? Are we setting them up for a successful career as a coach? It starts at the youth level. Is baseball fun for kids? How do we make it more fun for kids? I'll tell you how. It's easy. Let them have fun on the field. At four years old, it's okay if they don't hold the bat appropriately. Yes, if they're left-handed, you want their right hand on the bottom of the bat and their left hand on top of it. I understand those things. But if the kid stands recklessly, spins the top off of himself, but hits a ball 15 feet and smiles, you leave it alone. And so I think baseball's also developed into this sport where there's like a battle between what is taught to them by the people teaching them and what is believed to be, should be taught by them by their parents. In no other sport, like I know this exists in other sports, but it's not like in baseball, man. It's like... Because in football, your son's playing quarterback A, you're you're probably nowhere near the field, right? Like it's not, you're not even close to it enough to yell to him, but that's the first thing. But secondly, you're you're watching your son even if he's having a bad day as a quarterback, probably still has 15-20 attempts with the football, is in every play can hand it off and look good can, you know, whatever. He's in he's on the field 46 times. Whereas in baseball, if you go 0 for 4, it just looks terrible and you never get a ball, it almost looks like you didn't even play in that game. And you have the, these parents that at the youngest of levels like think that that foot adjustment on their five-year-old is going to make them the next Mike Trout. No. What makes them the next Mike Trout is you make them want to go to the baseball field. Once they want to go to the baseball field, you now have somebody that wants to play the game. I was so very proud the other day when I turned around at my game and I saw... My nieces and my nephew in the stands. Now, I know, and this is more so my sister than anything else, I know my nieces will not play softball. I know that's a fact. You know, if they came to her and asked, I'm sure she'd allow them to, but there's a strong possibility the betting lines in Vegas say that they will not play softball. It's like minus 150,000 odds, but there are odds. But my nephew, however, has been getting to the point where he really likes baseball. And I credit my brother-in-law and my sister because they don't, like, push him. You know, it's more or less like if he wants to go, go, right? It's kind of how they handle all their kids. It's awesome. Well, Nico, my nephew, has, uh, as you've seen on this show, he's really started to like the game of baseball. And I was so amped when after the game, And it really puts things into perspective, right? Like you lose a tough game. You're frustrated as a coach. But then you got this six-year-old kid sitting here. He don't care. He just wants to run around the bases. He just wants to throw the ball on the field. And in that moment, we're playing catch. Yeah, do I want him to field the ball or catch the ball when I throw it to him? Of course. That's the object of the game. He's got to be able to catch and throw or he can't play the game. But why am I even going to think about correcting him when all he wants to do is be on the baseball field, run around, throw the baseball? So do it wrong. I don't care what, it, or quote unquote wrong. Because at six years old, the only thing you need to know is that the ball should go in your glove and you should throw it back and that it's fun. And if, and if you're not having fun, it don't even matter if you know what the steps are because you're never playing this sport for beyond the next three years because when you get to the point where you can truly like, voice your opinion, you could find a lot of boring moments in baseball where in seven or eight, nine, 10-year-old kids can be like, nah, I'm good. Especially when Coach Dad over here is like, you got to lift your elbow, John, and, and you got to hit the ball the other way. How about the nine-year-old Johnny just works on making contact with the baseball and having fun at the ball field. And understanding how the game works. And when you hit the ball, you run to first. And and enjoying that. So that when he leaves the field, he says, I want to go back and do that again. Yes, eventually there will be a time for improving. And skill work. And getting better. Okay? But you have to be smart with understanding how that time comes. A 6-year-old and a 10-year-old should not... I should not hear the same things being said to those kids. And so why I got on this little ramble is because youth baseball has a problem, which then in in turn goes up the ladder. And then when you go to the highest point of the ladder, it's not even like that product of baseball is that entertaining and fun. So from the bottom, which is where you need to get kids engaged and the top where you want another version of kids to get engaged because they love watching the sport or they fall in love with a team or a player. You're not doing a very good job. Whereas basketball, and I think AAU basketball has had a lot to do with this, basketball, Division I college basketball as well, basketball and football have been doing a significantly better job. Hockey, significantly better job. And hockey and baseball kind of rival each other in... They, they kind of cost a lot of money. Yeah, I think th- yeah, probably fo- football, football in that category. Essentially, sports with equipment. Costs a lot of money. And even though it's a glove and a bat and some cleats, it's a glove and a bat, some cleats, some pants, a helmet. Most dudes want two bats. Kids are greedy. They want the pants that fit them perfectly with the socks, the belts. I get it all. I, I don't not get it. But cost becomes a factor. So, At the end of the day, right, baseball in in this moment is is at a true crossroads. There's no really going forward if the game stays exactly the same. That's just a fact. There has to be true adjustments to the game from every level, the youth and the professional level. I think the only truly fun brand of baseball right now is collegiate baseball. And I am slightly biased, but I'm not, dude. Like guy's just a baseball fan. Just watch D1 college baseball. It's so much more entertaining. Go watch D2, D3 baseball. It's still so much more entertaining because at least, yeah, you might not be watching every dude throw 96, 97. That's fine. But you're watching people play the game what most would consider the right way, quote unquote. But essentially just, I call it a fun game, a fun way to play the game. Bunts, hit and runs, steals, doubles, triples, homers, Strikeouts. Seven up, seven down, four runs, four runs, zero, 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 zero. All different kinds of games. Engaging, exciting, energy, players chirping. It's a good environment. And so that somehow needs to get to the professional game. This is the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761. If you missed any part of this? Catch the podcast, search it at wideworld.com. Of Rome okay I told you guys I had The, the Coach K audio for you So I'm going to give you that audio right now and, uh, and, and then we'll break It down after This isn't part of the program this is impromptu By me I'm sorry About this afternoon That no please no Please everyone be quiet Let me just say it's unacceptable Today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable and, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you the season isn't over, all right I mean, who the hell and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I am sorry. And I think the other Rocky Romanello will be a huge fan of what I'm about to say right now. I can't handle this to Rocky Romanello. <laughs> do you, who do you think you are, Coach K? These people spent thousands, hundreds and thousands. The ticket prices for this game were astronomical. It's kind of a joke that it was that much money to go watch a collegiate basketball game, to watch that guy shut the entire crowd up exact quote be quiet everybody what who the hell is this guy seriously though that's a joke hey man you can be disappointed you lost no doubt and it even hurts more that it's north carolina no doubt i agree with all of it but the fact that in that moment after you wanted this whole grandioso, everyone celebrate me for the remaining year of my career. Let's have all the former dookies back and we can all celebrate Coach K and talk about how great Coach K is and what he did for my career and blah, 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 blah. And you have the, as Stephen A would say, unmitigated gall to legitimately shut up an entire. Cameron indoor Stadium, that is a joke. And you yourself, sir, does not deserve the applause you received after that. There's a, a lady in the background of it. It might be his wife. I haven't seen her, but without a mask on in the last two years, so I don't really know. But she stood up with, with, with such excitement and energy, like, that was the most impassioned speech. That's disrespectful, man. That is disrespectful. These people paid an insane amount of money, a stupid amount of money, an amount of money that they should all really think about the fact that they spent that much amount of money to celebrate a guy that doesn't clearly care about them because he's willing to shut them all up just to say that it wasn't a good enough performance tonight. No crap, Coach K. No friggin' crap. You lost to your rival on the last game of this season. Thank you for stating the obvious. So let's go ahead and let's poo-poo everything that these people did at Duke University for you just to shut them all up. When in theory, when you said tonight was unacceptable and they started cheering, they're like, dude, come on, man. We're, we're, we're going to the ACC tournament. We'll go to the NCAA That's what matters. But no, instead, you had to be the most of Coaches K you ever were, which really, in my opinion, in your last moment, in your last home game at Cameron, shows who your true colors might really be. And so, I've opened the door on my opinion for Coach K. Let me rephrase that statement. There are two Coach K's that I've known in my lifetime, and I, I, I care significantly for one of them. I, significantly. And that those Eagles are hopefully flying high today as they get ready for their first regular season game. That Coach K, I'll root for. I'll take a bullet for, I'll go to the grave for. The other Coach K, I have zero interest in anymore. And my opinion's still out. I'm not going to be somebody that's going to take a full 360 shift, but if the shift has been 270 at least, at least. And my dad started me on this train by me arguing back to him. And this has gone on for a while. I argued back to him about Coach K over the course of time. But over the course of his arguments back, as he does to a lot of people, which is why he's been a very successful businessman. Great job. Great conversationalist. You know them. You know him, Romo Sapiens. He has kind of started me on the path of what type of person he kind of really is. And you listen to some stories, and not every player is happy with their coach, even if he's the greatest coach of all time. Case in point: Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. At some point, somebody along the line don't you're not going to like him, and and even guys that like him tell like stories that it's funny and and it's cool because they eventually won because their players were good, but like are kind of borderline dictatorish, and that was kind of border dictatorish, borderline dictatorish right there from Coach K, and so. Over time, my thoughts started to change because my pops' feelings on him. But now, the opinion's officially open. 270 shift. I got a 90-degree angle to go here before I'm fully off the full Coach K bandwagon. I think that's embarrassing. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's, it's too much, man. And so next time, I understand losses hurt. They suck, man. But there are some times when you have to understand... There, it's There's something slightly greater than the loss. And by the way, bro, you asked for that. You wanted the celebration. So don't turn around and, and, and start being that dude that's like, oh, man, this is unacceptable. Appreciate it. Appreciate the BS that they threw flowers and balloons for you on. All right? Because that's what you wanted in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been the Rome Show here. On 12 ounce sports radio, Zingo TV, channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. I want to let you know that if you missed the show, any part of the show, you want to share the show with your friends, all you need to do is search Wide World of Rome, and that is uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, or that can be on Twitter or Instagram. It's the Rome Show 1 at facebook.com slash little Yoda for you to end the show. Thank you to Rocky. Thank you to everybody that chimes into the show and gives us our thoughts before we get on here on a Monday. We'll be back next week. Until then, peace! Um. Thank you for listening.